Could South Carolina head football coach Shane Beamer be one of the coaches that capitalizes the most on the transfer portal in the future? Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily Gamecock headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina sports teams. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Lyon, and while I'm going to continue talking about recruiting today, I'm going to talk about an aspect of the recruiting world that now all college football programs deal with that I haven't really discussed much of up to this point, and that is the transfer portal. And in particular with today's episode, I want to talk about why I feel like South Carolina's head football coach Shane Beamer could be one of the head coaches in college football that could utilize the transfer portal the best out of all of the coaches. I'm going to talk about what he did back in the 2021 and 2022 off-seasons with both of those transfer portal halls that he got, explain how good the hit rate was for the 2021 season and sort of project ahead the hit rate for the 2022 transfer portal class. I'm also going to bring up a couple of quotes from some of the transfers who have come into South Carolina and use that to talk about how Coach Shane Beamer's culture that he has built and his real genuine personality have become a massive factor with guys in the portal. And lastly, I'll talk about the sustainability of the transfer portal. Do I think it's going to level itself out in terms of the amount of players that enter the portal? Or is it always going to be as crazy as we've seen for the last couple seasons? And how much is too much for a transfer portal class? I'll be talking about all that today. But before I do so, as always, thank you for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecocks sports coverage. Okay, so starting off at the top of the show today, I'm going to talk about the 2021 transfer portal class and the subsequent hit rate for each of these prospects. So I'm going to start off with wide receiver Marion Brown. Now, Marion Brown was a transfer wide receiver from Georgia Tech who in 2021 played in all 13 games and caught 11 receptions for 104 receiving yards but did not score a touchdown. And he never really seemed to find a groove last season and was mainly a rotational player. So because of this, I classified Marion Brown as being someone who is still up in the air. I don't think that this is exactly all on Amari and Brown. I sort of feel like that the South Carolina Gamecocks staff, like somebody else who I'm going to be mentioning very shortly, just had a hard time figuring out how to utilize Amari Brown to the best of his ability. Obviously, Brown is a very athletic wide receiver and someone who brings a lot of speed that can take the top off of a secondary. But he also was in his first year in the program, and he did have a couple of guys in front of him like Adakaron Joyner and Josh Van and others that made it a little bit difficult for him to constantly see the field. Another transfer that was brought in last offseason was David Spaulding. Now, he was a transfer nickelback from Georgia Southern who played in all 13 games and made five starts, locking 22 tackles, four pass breakups, one interception, one forced fumble, and one touchdown. And I labeled David Spaulding as a partial hit because 
Well, I definitely think based on where he came from and the role we were asking him to fill in last season, David Spalding definitely provided a boost to the team. If you look back at his 2021 season, you notice that all five of his starts came within the first six games of the season. And after that, he didn't start another game the rest of the way. And while he continued to appear in games, that clearly tells me, and I'm sure a lot of you fans listening to the show right now, that... David Spaulding apparently did not play up to the expectations that the staff had set out for him, or maybe they felt like there was a little bit left to be desired in the position. Definitely not saying that, again, David Spaulding didn't do a good job while he was out there. I think especially in particular with rush defense, Spaulding is a big help in the nickelback spot, but maybe in pass, in terms of pass coverage, maybe they feel like he could have been a little bit better, which is why they put someone else in his place, which again, I'll be mentioning shortly. We also got linebacker Debo Williams from Delaware University, who played in all 13 games last year, but mainly on special teams. He had six total tackles on the season, one pass breakup, and two block punts, which were both in Week 1 against FCS Eastern Illinois. Now, Debo Williams I classified along with Amarian Brown in the category of still being up in the air. I like Debo Williams a lot. I think he's a guy that plays with a lot of effort, has a very high motor when he's out there on the football field, hence the reason why they did play him on special teams a lot last season. And I think there are tools there for him to potentially become a future starter in South Carolina's linebacker core. However, Debo Williams, despite being a second-string linebacker on the team last season, did not see a whole lot of snaps in the game on defense. You know, just even after Sherrod Green went out against Georgia with a horrific lower leg injury and Damani Staley, who was pretty much the next man up in the linebacker room, stepped up into that starting role alongside Brad Johnson, despite there not being, again, a whole lot of guys behind them. So basically, Debo Williams was the next guy Debo Williams just did not see a whole lot of playing time. Him and Mo Kaba did see some playing time, but and it was almost like maybe they didn't trust him enough yet to put him out there. And so for that reason, I label Debo Williams as someone who is still up in the air on whether or not he is going to be a hit for the totality of his career instead of, again, just year one. Now, another player Sacklon brought in was Jordan Strahan, who was a transfer edge defender from Georgia State, who played in all 13 games, recording 22 tackles, including six tackles for loss, three sacks, one interception, and three pass breakups. And he'll be the starting edge defender this season. I labeled Strawn as a projected hit for this upcoming season. I think considering the fact that he only had to be the backup to Kingsley and Abari this past year, Strawn, in my opinion, did do a good job. I do feel like that he could do a little bit better in terms of rush defense. There was too many times where I felt like he wasn't really able to even hold his ground against maybe some of the bigger, beefier offensive tackles that he faced in SEC play. And of course, playing in the Sunbelt Conference, you're not going against guys that are as big and as strong as guys in the SEC. So I don't put all that on Jordan Strong. And hopefully this offseason, he has taken the opportunity to put on some weight, to add some muscle so that he will be able to take on these guys throughout the course of an entire football game this season. And I think this season he is going to do his job in terms of being a solid pass rusher on the edge for the Gamecocks. Another player that the Gamecocks brought in was Jakeem Green. He was a transfer defensive tackle out of Nebraska. He was on the scout team all season, and he ended up transferring again this past offseason. And while I definitely don't, you know, 
want to disparage the fact that he came back to his home state of South Carolina to play for the Gamecocks. And of course, we all are appreciative of the fact that Jakeem Green did come back to wear the garden in black and help out the Gamecocks in any way he could. I labeled him as a miss. He just didn't really do anything for the Gamecocks in terms of actual play in game for him to make really that much of a difference. And again, obviously, scout team definitely plays its role in a big way in practice throughout the course of a week when prepping for an upcoming game. But in terms of, again, on-field production alone, Jakeem Green, I hate to label it this way, was a miss from this last transfer portal class. Now, coming up in just a few moments, I will mention three more players from South Carolina's 2021 transfer portal class and talk about whether or not they were hit or maybe if they were even utilized properly while they were here. But before I do that, I have a quick word from my friends over at Built Bar. Now, from the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar at this point. But guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the Puffs treatment. That's right. The Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling and listen for a second. They are good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious. Coconut Brownie Chunk Puffs are only here for a limited time. So go to Built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing. All Built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. And the best part about Built Puffs, besides the 100% real chocolate, is that you can enjoy them guilt-free because they are actually good for you. They're the perfect treat, perfect when you've got a craving, you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, or if you need a quick, healthy snack. They're an excellent source of protein. Delicious coconut, rich sweet brownie, and creamy marshmallow. Stop fascinating and get to Built.com right now to order your box of Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Puffs now. And if you're looking to save money, we've got you covered there as well. When you go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's LOCKED in all caps, 1515 for 50% off at Built.com. So go right now while the offer lasts. All right, so getting back to the last couple of players from South Carolina's 2021 transfer portal class, the next prospect is Jason Brown. Now, he was a transfer quarterback from St. Francis College, a Division III college football program up in Pennsylvania, who started four games for the Gamecocks all late in the regular season last year, completing 55.6% of his passes for 721 passing yards, throwing eight touchdowns and six interceptions. Now, even though Jason Brown definitely had some of his ups and downs while he was the starting quarterback for South Carolina, I labeled him as a hit because you look at what Jason Brown had to deal with when he took over before the Florida game. He had never started a game in Division II or Division I college football. He had to apparently lose a decent amount of weight going into the season so that he could handle the speed and strength of SEC defenses. And South Carolina was looking like they could miss out on a bowl opportunity in the last third of the regular season. Jason Brown came in there and changed all that. He provided a spark to this offense, and he helped us beat Florida and Auburn at home and helped South Carolina reach bowl eligibility. That should never get lost on Gamecock fans, and for that reason, Jason Brown will always be remembered as a big part of the 2021 football season for the Gamecocks. Now, his fellow teammate, E.J. Jenkins, 
from St. Francis College in Pennsylvania, also transferred down here. And he played in 12 games, catching eight passes for 117 receiving yards and one touchdown. And he transferred to Georgia Tech this past offseason. Now, based on the stat line itself and without context of the situation, you might say, well, Andrew's going to consider him a miss here. But I'm not going to. Matter of fact, I didn't even count EJ Jenkins amongst the hit or miss groups. I categorized him as misutilized because, quite frankly, for a guy who was 6'6", 6'7", a decent enough athlete, and somebody who could have definitely helped out this receiving core more than he did last year, um, I'm not going to be quiet about this. I don't think that he was utilized properly at all by offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield. You've seen some fans maybe on social media or message boards that when going back and watching games from last year would say that he was only utilized on like maybe two or three fade routes. Now, of course, I cannot confirm and validate those statements, but it's very clear to any Gamecock fan who watched this Gamecock offense last year that, you know, EJ Jenkins just was not utilized as much as he probably should have, especially considering the fact that Josh Van and Jaheim Bell, if it really wasn't for those two in the receiving department, we didn't really have a whole lot of weapons behind them. So that was a missed opportunity by this coaching staff. And the last player that was brought in for the 2021 transfer portal class was Carlin Splatel, who was a transfer nickelback from Assumption College, who in 11 games had 21 tackles, including two and a half tackles for loss, one sack, two pass breakups, and two forced fumbles, and did so well for his final season of college football. He got a camp invite to the Philadelphia Eagles this offseason. I label him as a hit. Carlins Patel is somebody that when starting out the season, he was a backup to David Spalding. And while he was getting playing time in some of these games, he didn't seem like somebody at the beginning of the year that, according to at least fans, that would have maybe made that big of an impact. But Platel honestly did a really admirable job at the nickelback spot in terms of pass coverage. He made life a lot more difficult on opposing slot receivers, and he helped to sort of take some of the pressure off some of the outside corners like Darius Rush, like Cam Smith, like Marcel Stahl, by being that guy in the nickel spot. So that cannot, again, be lost on Gamecock fans what Carlin Spatel brought to the defense for 2021. Now let's talk about the 2022 transfer portal class. And for this one, I'm going to give you all some career stats and mainly just remind y'all where. So start off with Austin Stockner. He's obviously a transfer tight end from Oklahoma who for his career has appeared in 34 games. He's caught 47 passes for 654 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. He comes along with fellow teammate Spencer Rattler, a transfer quarterback from Oklahoma, who in two seasons started 17 games, completing 70.1% of his passes, throwing for 4,595 passing yards, 40 passing touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. Obviously, two of the bigger gets from a publicity standpoint this past offseason. They also got a guy like Terrell Dawkins, a transfer defensive end from NC State, who in 26 games in his career for the Wolfpack made six starts and racked up 42 tackles, nine tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, and two forced fumbles. Then you got Devonnie Reed, the transfer safety from Central Michigan, who was a four-year starter there, starting 41 games and playing in 43 overall. Very experienced guy, in terms of how long he's been in college football. He amassed 287 tackles and three interceptions over those four seasons. Another guy South Carolina brought in was Christian Beal Smith, a transfer running back from Wake Forest, who in four seasons appeared in 43 games, including 22 starts. He has 1,871 career rushing yards and 14 rushing touchdowns. 
Then you got Antoine Wells Jr., a transfer wide receiver out of James Madison, who broke single-season school records at James Madison last year as a second-team FCS All-American, recording 83 catches for 1,250 receiving yards and 15 touchdowns, all school records. They also brought in Love C.A. Carroll, a transfer cornerback from Georgia who will transition back to the running back spot where he played in high school as a four-star recruit who was ranked the 114th best prospect nationally for the 2021 recruiting class according to 24-7 Sports Composite. You also have Corey Rucker, a transfer wide receiver from Arkansas State, who has 75 receptions for 1,269 receiving yards and 14 touchdowns in the two seasons he's played college ball. And then finally, you got Nate Atkins, a transfer tight end from East Tennessee State and son of offensive line coach Greg Atkins, who in four seasons for the Buccaneers had 73 catches for 749 receiving yards and four touchdowns. And he's primarily known for his blocking ability, so he'll be a big help in terms of multi-tight end sets. So when looking at the 2022 transfer portal class, right now I classify all these guys as hits, except for... Dawkins and Carroll, who I project to be future hits, but will serve backup roles as rotational players for the time being. Austin Stockner, he's going to be a starter in two tight end sets. Spencer Rattler is going to be our starting quarterback. You got Devonnie Reed, he'll be a starting safety. Christian Bill Smith, 1A or 1B in the running back room. So you could count that maybe as four right there. Antoine Wells Jr., he'll be a fifth starter out of this group starting at wideout. And then you got Corey Rucker. He could potentially start there. That could be six. And then you've also got Nate Atkins, who, again, mainly on special teams and in three tight end sets, could be in the mix there. So overall, you got at least four starters in this group and as many as six who could be starting for the Gamecocks in 2022, which, again, just shows how methodical Shane Beamer was in going after some of these guys who, again, might not have gotten the attention of some of these other guys in the transfer portal like a Quinn Ewers or Jordan Addison, guys like that. But they are going to fill massive needs for this South Carolina football team in 2022. All right. So for the final segment of today's show, I want to talk about a couple of quotes from some of these guys regarding Coach Shane Beamer when he was recruiting them to South Carolina and then discuss the transfer portal itself a little bit more. Maybe answer the question of why I think Shane Beamer could be one of the coaches that capitalizes the most on the transfer portal in the future. So starting off with some quotes, Austin Stogner on a December 23rd, 2021 interview that was done with Gamecock Central's Wes Mitchell when talking about Shane Beamer said, Quote, and then you go somewhere where you trust the people there, and there's no one I trust more in this industry than Coach Beamer. So those two things led up to the decision, and it's kind of the perfect fit for me. Me and Coach Beamer, we were real tight at Oklahoma. Coach Beamer was the H-backs and tight ends coach at Oklahoma when he was there, which is why he has such a close relationship with Stockner. He's my favorite coach I've ever had. He gets me, and he knows how to get the best out of me. I trust him. He's got an awesome family, and I trust him. He's why I chose South Carolina. And then you got Antoine Wells, who in a March 3rd, 2022 interview with Wes Mitchell of Gamecock Central said, quote, I just love the environment. I love the atmosphere. It's just like a whole different type of ball up here, and I love it. I'm taking every moment and step-by-step step just embracing every moment because you don't really get too many chances like this. So I'm just embracing it and loving it. The workouts are just great. It's good vibes. This is a football town, and this is all I ask for. 
I'm building brotherhoods. I'm just having fun. This is a great experience. And then you got Terrell Dawkins, who in an interview on March 7, 2022 with Colin Taylor, Gamecock Central, said that he's been around a winning program. And while South Carolina is building its culture, he sees much of the similarities between NC State and the Gamecocks, stating, quote, that being said, I feel like this is a similar vibe in a sense. I came from a program that's kind of established the vibe that they had. Coming from a place like that and coming here, I can sense it. I came from a team that was bad and we progressed and now they're good. And I start to see that same progression here at Carolina. I picked up on it. Then you've got Devonnie Reed, the safety transfer from Central Michigan, who in a presser back in early March when nearing spring practice said, quote, the way the coaches contacted me all the time, Coach White, Coach Gray, and Coach Beamer, they're just very genuine and they love ball and their background is very nice. And what they did in one year with this program, it took me by storm. It's not easy to turn around a team, especially in this conference. And what they did in one year, it won me over. So I just wanted to be a part of this program and learn from some guys with great experience. So you hear all these reactions from all these transfers. And there is pretty much one common denominator in every single one of these responses. And that one common denominator is Coach Beamer. And for very good reason. Coach Beamer has clearly shown all these guys that come on visits to South Carolina that Maybe sign with South Carolina and enroll here. That, listen, obviously, we want to win football games here. We want to win a lot of football games. We want to be able to make this program or help this program be able to contend for championships again. But at the same time, we're going to be a family. We're going to get to know you like you are a part of our own kin. You are going to know all of these guys, and it is going to be like a brotherhood. And by the time you leave this place, you will have made not just friends for your college years that you'll reminisce about decades later, but friends for life, friends that you will hopefully keep in touch with, stay in contact with, and friends that you will be able to hang out with in your later years when you have your own families, your own wives, your own children. And so that kind of environment that Coach Shane Beamer has built at South Carolina, you could see how that feeling has permeated to every single one of these guys that has visited South Carolina, and it is really causing people to look at South Carolina a lot more in terms of a school that they could see themselves playing at for their four years of college. So let's talk about the sustainability of the transfer portal and what I believe is going to happen with the transfer portal. Now, obviously the last couple years, I don't have any stats on my note sheet here to list off to any of y'all about how many transfers have entered the transfer portal, how many guys have actually found a home when they entered the transfer portal, how many guys maybe went back to their original school. I don't have any of those stats in front of me. I can say this. I do think that right now with what's going on with the beginning of NIL, how much that has become a big part of recruiting in college football these days and seeing all of these kids who, you know, maybe they're coming from the FCS level or a group of five now, if they have a really productive season, they could now find themselves vaulting up to a Power 5 conference and maybe capitalize on you know, how well they did against lower-level competition. And I will admit, the transfer portal, it's not going to be good for every program. There's just no doubt about this. This is going to hurt junior colleges, community colleges, colleges where guys are playing for essentially their last chance to play college ball. So basically, if you're someone that maybe makes one mistake 
in college. And you have to go to one of these JUCO places to try to repair your image and reputation. And you put in all this hard work and you turn around and you can't go to pretty much any of the schools that were initially interested in you because they all found kids from the transfer portal. We're going to start hearing stories about this kind of stuff happening. That's not good for the game of college football. High school football recruits are going to feel adverse consequences from all of this. Why on earth would you, and, and I'm not saying this in offense to high school football players, because again, you got a lot of high school football prospects that put in so much hard work year in and year out. But from a coach's standpoint, it's understandable with when you are proposed with, okay, I could take a guy who's played college football for two, three years. He's been pretty productive. He stayed out of trouble. He has proven himself as a college football player. Why on earth would I pass this up for a kid who is 17, 18 years old? They have no idea what the college experience is like yet. They have never played against actual college football teams. They have not faced that kind of competition. And who knows? How are they going to handle the limelight? Are they going to stay out of trouble? Are they going to be going to the classroom? Are they going to keep their grades up? All valid questions that you have to ask with every single high school football prospect. And again, most of them... They stay pretty straight on the narrow path when they get to college football because they understand how much rests on their shoulders in terms of maybe trying to help out their families. Guys have big goals of wanting to do so well that they can help out their parents, their siblings, their grandparents. But that is an obvious situation where probably 99% of college football coaches now, if they're given these two players, they're going to probably end up taking the college football player that they know what they're getting. It's like NFL free agency now. And you look at NFL free agency, it's set up the exact same way. you got a group of guys who, again, have been in the NFL. You know what you're going to get from them. You know whether or not maybe they're worth the time. And I, and I don't want to say that like anyone that ever has gotten in trouble isn't worthy of a second chance. I'm not saying that at all. But you, I'm just saying these are what executives and football coaches, general managers in the NFL, they think about this stuff. And then you got players who you're drafting where, again, you are taking a chance based on a lot of film, a lot of hearsay, what other people are saying that have maybe been around the kid. And, you know, listen, if you're maybe trying to contend for Super Bowl championship or trying to maybe vault your way to the top of the AFC or NFC you're probably going to be more inclined to take those free agents. That's what's happening in college football now. So is this model sustainable? I'm going to say that I think it's going to level out in the future. I don't think you'll always see this many kids that are going to go in there because I think a lot of these kids that have gone into the transfer portal in these first couple groups, from all the stories that you'll hear about it not working out, those guys are going to make sure, in my opinion, to let kids know they're coming up and saying, listen, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's not always going to work out for you if you just leave one situation, choose to maybe not fight through a little bit of adversity, and go somewhere else. And again, obviously, every situation is different. I'm not saying that it isn't whatsoever. But this is just simply the kind of stuff that now we're going to see in the transfer portal. So why could Shane Beamer take advantage of the transfer portal? Relationships. These days, College football coaches, if there's one thing you have to be able to do, you've got to be able to talk to kids of today. You've got to be able to have relationships. You've got to show that you care about them more than anything else. You have to. If you 
don't show an ability to do that, guess what? College football has probably already passed you by, and if it hasn't already, it is going to in the next few years. And the thing is, Shane Beamer encompasses all the things that I just mentioned in the sense that he is genuine. He is personable. He cares about more than just their stats from games on Saturdays. Shane Beamer has shown that with everyone that has come through that door. He's the same person whether or not you come in for an official visit or you happen to bump into him on a Tuesday morning when he goes to get coffee. He is the same exact person. And so because of this, I think that Shane Beamer, if especially he does well this next season, he could be somebody that while I'm not going to say he always gets 9, 10, 15, 20 guys in the transfer portal, could be selective. Take four guys here. Take six guys this other year and fill in gaps. And that way, you can always keep your team head and shoulders above others. You are not having to sit there and go, well, shoot, we just lost like over half of our production from last year. It's going to take another three years to build that up. That is not going to work anymore. The transfer portal being what it is now, coaches now are not going to have leeway when it comes to building up a roster. But if you're someone like Shane Beamer, you're not going to worry about that because as long as you're providing a certain baseline of results, this is going to help coaches like you. This is going to help you close that gap between a Georgia, a Bama, a Florida, a Clemson. It's going to help you close those gaps and maybe even surpass certain teams depending on how well you utilize it. So, but with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show, the Locked on Gamecocks podcast. I hope that you all thoroughly enjoyed it. Let me know what your thoughts are on the transfer portal. Do you think that it is sustainable? Or do you think that maybe there's a chance that it could hurt college football long term? Do you think that Shane Beamer could be a coach that capitalizes on it the most out of most of the coaches that you think about? Let me know your thoughts in the comments down below if you're listening on YouTube. If you're listening on audio podcasts, be sure to go and tweet me at A-Line underscore SC on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts. I want to hear what y'all think about this. But otherwise, thank you once again for listening, and I'll catch you all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast.